are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show, coming right up with Gavin Walker.
We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or, of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we have a whole lineup of music to play for you this evening, as usual. Uh, We have some really interesting stuff uh, a little later on in the show, but also, as usual, we begin with our jazz feature. And our jazz feature tonight is an album that has a rather uh, stentorian title, and it's called The Truth is Spoken Here. Very serious, but it is very serious music and very fine music, as you'll hear. The artist in question and the album in question, that's the title, um, was his debut album. And the artist in question was pianist Marcus Roberts. Now, Marcus Roberts is still very much with us. He's only 51 years old, and he's teaching in, uh, in Florida, which is his home state. He also um, is very busy mentoring all kinds of musicians. He, he is a great teacher and a great piano player, as you'll hear, and a wonderful composer as well, an extremely talented man. Marcus, of course, um, came to fame as part of, uh, he was uh, a Wynton Marcellus discovery. One credit that I would give to Wynton Marcellus, when he put in his apprenticeship early in his career with Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, and then he went on to work with Herbie Hancock, and after that formed his own band, Wynton Marcellus was almost, um, because of his his stature, his talent, and uh, the fact that he was signed by Columbia Records, of course, uh, Wynton kind of shot to the top of everyone's uh, consciousness, and he insisted and began recording a whole slew of albums, and Marcus Roberts was a big part of those albums, those uh, early albums uh, that Winton did. And Winton almost single-handedly brought jazz back to its acoustic form because during the 70s, of course, all through the 70s, um, what we call jazz fusion took hold. And there's nothing wrong with good quality jazz fusion. This isn't sort of a a fight between acoustic jazz and fusion jazz. Um, They can both exist together and and actually uh, contribute to one another as well. And, And musicians can go back and forth. But what happened was, of course, in the 70s and early 80s, um, the major record labels were the people that dominated music, and they controlled how we um, we hear music and, and, and very often how uh, music is distributed. And what happened during the 70s was because of the popularity of fusion, great acoustic jazz was not being recorded a lot. There were a few independent labels and that sort of thing, but uh, straight-ahead jazz musicians who played acoustic jazz uh, were being ignored and kind of tossed to one side. 
And if they, if they were to record, they had to record with electronic instruments and record fusion-style jazz. Many of them said, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, that's, that's something I, I'm not interested in doing and I'm not going to do. And so a lot of um, really, really fine musicians and, and uh, recording opportunities were kind of pushed to one side because of the proliferation of uh, fusion. And it was Wynton Marcellus, almost single-handedly, um, bringing back the public consciousness to acoustic jazz. And this is something he's not often credited for, and uh, he was really responsible for, for bringing that, that whole thing back. A lot of people said, well, he's just kind of uh, repeating what Miles Davis was doing 25 years ago, that kind of thing. That's not true. Um, he was accused of all that sort of stuff, but he, he really uh, made a very conscious effort and uh, his recordings uh, were all acoustic, and uh, people began listening to what we call acoustic jazz again, and uh, it became, once again, um, very popular, and now it exists along side-by-side with fusion. So um, there you go. Uh, That's a little bit of uh, evolution. Now, Marcus Roberts was a big part of that whole group um, that was kind of all behind Wynton Marcellus. And and Marcus uh, worked with Wynton for many years. Uh, And, and of course, that was one of the reasons he was able to record this album and and begin a recording career. Unfortunately for Mr. Roberts, because he has chosen to uh, move back to Florida and and teach and, and conduct all his activities there, he's kind of fallen off the radar. And people um, people used to talk about Marcus Roberts a lot, and now he's kind of a little bit of a forgotten man. I don't think he should be. He's an extremely talented musician. And uh, this is another small factor. Marcus, uh, from the time he was five years old, he contracted uh, glaucoma and uh, became permanently sight-impaired. And um, it's amazing he was able to, or is able to accomplish what he's doing. Not only playing-wise, compositional-wise, but uh, being able to teach as well, because uh, being a blind person makes it twice as hard. But again, like so many blind musicians, he lives in a world of sound. And uh, there are some phenomenal um, musicians who blind musicians who, who have really made it. I think of George Shearing, uh, Rassan Roland Kirk, uh, Lenny Tristano, people like that that were just amazing musicians. Marcus Roberts is right up there. This album was done in uh, 1988, and we're going to hear Mr. Roberts in a group context. We're also going to hear a couple of great solo piano pieces, and you'll hear that he has really, really great knowledge of the history of jazz piano. And that's one of the things that, uh, um, why he became so, uh, so respected. And uh, this album is, is quite wonderful, despite the, the sort of a little bit over-the-top title, you know, The Truth is Spoken Here. Well, that's okay, I guess. Um, that sort of gives you the, the idea of the um, serious purpose uh, of this album. And this was his debut album. It was recorded in New York in July of 1988, 
and um, we're going to hear. Oh, and it was also produced by Wynton Marcellus's brother. This is uh, the the Marcellus that not too many people know. He's a wonderful trombonist, but uh, he's he's uh, he's the middle brother between between Branford and and Winton. This is Del Fail Marcellus, and he produced this album. Now Winton is a part of this album. Um, when you hear a trumpet, it is Winton Marcellus, and I've always found that Winton performs almost better as a sideman than he. Um, and this is only my opinion, I like him as a sideman. When he has leader responsibilities, somehow his playing changes. It's brilliant anyway, but I I really think it's it's more effective when he's a sideman, and he is a sideman on on this date. And um, there's some other people uh, that we're going to hear as well. In the rhythm section is a fine bass player who worked with Winton for many years, a young man by the name of Reginald Veal. Reginald Veal is the bassist, and the drummer on all of the ensemble tracks is the great and heralded and jazz pioneer Elvin Jones, and he is just wonderful on this album. It just shows how Elvin can work in any kind of a context. Elvin, of course, uh, uh, came to great acclaim working with John Coltrane for so many years. So if you hear a trumpet, it's going to be Wynton Marcellus. Um, on one tune, um, which I'll tell you what it is, the, a young uh, tenor saxophonist will be playing. He is also uh, was part of that early bunch of musicians that came up with Winton Marcellus, a young man named Todd Williams, and he plays on two tunes on here. Um, and I'll tell you which tunes when we uh, run down the selections. On three selections... The great ex-Thelonious Monk tenor saxophonist Charlie Rouse. Charlie Rouse plays on three selections uh, on this album, and um, Rouse sounds wonderful. The only sad thing about it was that five months later, Charlie Rouse passed away, um, died of lung cancer. And uh, But you'd never know that he was... Uh, anywhere close to being ill on this album. He sounds spirited and wonderful on the tunes that he's heard. So we'll run down the selections we're going to hear on this album. The first tune um, is only one horn on the first tune, and that's Wynton Marcellus. And Marcus Roberts, of course, is on piano, Reginald Veal on bass, and Elvin Jones on drums, as I mentioned. The first tune is called The Arrival, and it's a composition by Marcus Roberts. Then we're going to hear two solo piano pieces. And these are kind of the almost the highlight of the album. And they're tributes to Marcus Roberts' biggest influences. Thelonious Monk and Duke Ellington. And the two solo piano pieces, tune number two, is Thelonious Monk's most famous blues composition, Blue Monk, as interpreted by Marcus Roberts. Tune number three is a composition by Duke Ellington and his alter ego, Billy Strayhorn, that was written for Queen Elizabeth. And it's called A Single Petal of a Rose. And it's from the uh, Duke Ellington's famous The Queen Suite that he wrote for Elizabeth. 
and um, Marcus plays that. Then we move to a, a ballad featuring the young Todd Williams on tenor saxophone, and it's a ballad entitled Morella. Again, that's a Marcus Roberts composition. Following that is the first of three tunes that feature tenor saxophonist Charlie Rouse. And uh, tune number four, or tune number five, is uh, Marcus Roberts' composition called Country by Choice. Then the... Then we return to the title track of the album, uh, which again features young Todd Williams on tenor and Wynton Marcellus on trumpet, and it's the title track of the album. It's called The Truth is Spoken Here. Then the final two tunes on this album, we bring back Charlie Rouse and Wynton Marcellus, and uh, we're going to hear Duke Ellington's In a Mellow Tone, and the final tune is the blues, and it's called Nothing But the Blues, written by Marcus Roberts. So I hope you enjoy this album. I, I, I know you will. It's a, a really fine recording, and it's uh, Marcus's debut date. And we're going to hear it right now. The truth is spoken here. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. 
Thank you. 
And it's interesting that uh, Charlie Rouse was on this album because uh, he, had, he had taken quite ill. He had been diagnosed uh, with lung cancer, but he was still um, healthy enough to play beautifully on this album. And uh, this was some of his um, final recordings before his death about five months after that. So there you go. And this is the, uh, once again, the title of the album is The Truth is Spoken Here. And that was the debut album of a young man by the name of Marcus Roberts. Marcus is still very much um, alive. He's only 51, and uh, he teaches um, in Florida. He, um, he is originally from there, and he moved back there. The only reason he's sort of off the radar these days uh, is because he doesn't live in New York. And, uh, you know, if you, if you don't have that New York kind of credibility, if you decide to live somewhere else in the country, unless it's Los Angeles, um, even then, uh, a lot of times you're off the radar somehow. But he is still very busy teaching, mentoring, and playing and recording Marcus Roberts. And uh, we hope that he's around for a long time because he can play the whole history of music on the piano. So we hope you enjoyed that uh, that particular album by this young man, relatively young man, of course, and uh, hope you enjoyed the music that you heard. We are going to come back with a very important um, segment of music, set of music, uh, from a very important period in the life of the one and only Miles Davis. And we'll do that in a very few moments. Uh, we're just going to let you hear a couple of uh, messages and, and remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and uh, we'll be back right after these uh, messages. Whoever said money can't buy you friends obviously wasn't a member at CITR. When you become a member, you get the Friends of CITR card with incredible discounts in the Main Street area at Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, RX Comics, Red Cat Records, the Regional Assembly of Texts, the Wallflower Modern Diner, and Woo Vintage Clothing. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to citr.ca. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news, as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. We had our uh, 
<laughs> our, our torrential rains over the weekend. Yeah, sure. Um, it, it didn't do enough to uh, uh, change the uh, reservoirs, unfortunately. But uh, we did get a little precipitation, which, uh, uh, you know, I think the, the trees and flowers uh, need. But we could use a little more, of course, for uh, the reservoirs and all that kind of stuff. So, however, we're not going to get any kind of rain in the next little while. We're going to get nothing but sunshine, according to the forecast. Tonight is a few clouds, and, and it's going to become completely overcast overnight uh, with a low of about 14. But then um, tomorrow, it's going to be clearing. It'll be cloudy in the morning, and then, and then a beautiful sunny day tomorrow with a low of 14 and a high of 23. Then for the rest of the week, it's nothing but sunshine. Summertime is back, and uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all going to be sunny with lows of 15 and highs. Uh, It's actually going to get warmer um, during the week, so the the high temperature is going to go up 24, 25, 26, etc., etc. So it's going to, summer is going to be back, but no rain, so um, there you go, so well, as they say, um, be careful of your water use. That's all. We, we, we're very lucky here, um, and, and we're, we're great water wasters here because we've had, had so much of it. But, you know, maybe things have changed a little bit, and we're going um, to have to tighten our belts a little bit and think about our, uh, our water use and not be so flagrant with it and uh, be a little more, uh, a little more careful. I think um, that's in the cards. All right, enough of uh, no more lectures. We're going to get to this very historical moment in jazz. And this is an all-star band that was put together by the producer of the Newport Jazz Festival, the redoubtable George Ween. And um, this was only the second year of the Newport Jazz Festival, and the first year uh, struggled along. The second year was uh, obviously a little more successful, and it was this was uh, um, George Ween had an idea to put together a group of all star musicians. Interestingly enough, um, <laughs> it started this way, uh, and I'll quote George Ween. This is, uh, I quote, unquote, Newport in 1954 was the first year, and it made a lot of news, so we decided to do it again in 55. I was in New York at a club, and Miles and I saw one another, and he said, George, or I should imitate Miles' voice, George, are you going to have the festival again up at Newport? You can't have a festival without me. And I said, Miles, uh, you want to be in the festival? George, you can't have a festival without me. You can't have a festival without me. And, of course, this is the way Miles usually expressed himself. Uh, he always repeated sentences. So, as George says, he would have a habit of repeating himself like that. George Whittemore was his agent. So we set it up for Miles to come up, but he was not advertised. Um, not in the program because... He was asked too late, so he wasn't really included in the printed program. So at the time, and I'm still quoting George Ween here, Miles didn't have a regular band at the time for some reason, and Thelonious Monk did not either. 
nor did Jerry Mulligan or Zoot Sims. So I put them all together in a jam session with Percy Heath on bass and Connie Kay on drums from the Modern Jazz Quartet. So it was interesting because, um, and I, that's unquote. So this is basically a spontaneous get-together, but all these musicians knew one another very well. Miles, of course, had, had already recorded with Thelonious Monk. He and Monk were actually very good friends. They had some disagreements over music, of course, as, as musicians do, but they were very close and there was respect there. Uh, Zoot Sims was one of Miles' favorite tenor players. Jerry Mulligan was part of the famous Birth of the Cool band, so, so, um, and, and they had all jammed with, with Thelonious Monk, and, and Percy Heath, of course, was, was at the time uh, everybody's favorite bass player, and Connie Kay was um, an up-and-coming drummer that had worked with everybody. So all these guys really knew one another. And so the elder statesman here um, was really Thelonious Monk, and the first two tunes that we're going to hear are Thelonious Monk compositions. And the third tune uh, is a famous Charlie Parker blues. So there's only three tunes on this set. And it was done, uh, the set was uh, performed in the afternoon of July 17th, 1955. The reason it's historic, the music is great. And the performance of all, all the players is, is good, especially Monk and especially Miles Davis. Miles had fallen off the radar in, 19, in, in the early 50s. He'd become drug addicted and, and unreliable, and uh, all of a sudden his star had faded greatly. Well, in 1954, Miles had straightened himself out and uh, had actually made a whole bunch of significant records, but they were sort of... Um, appreciated by jazz fans, uh, dedicated jazz fans. The general public, um, who had an interest in jazz, sort of thought of Miles Davis as a bit of a has-been. Whatever happened to Miles Davis kind of thing? And it was his appearance at this festival that suddenly brought him back. And it led to his signing with Columbia Records and it led to him getting his career together and forming the first great quintet with John Coltrane, Red Garland, Paul Chambers, and Philly Joe Jones. So this appearance was very, very important for Miles. And, of course, he knew it, but, <laughs> you know, um, but, and it was written up in all the magazines and so on. And, of course, Miles being Miles simply said, well, what's all the noise? I was always around. But he wasn't in the public eye, and and this is this festival was such a prestigious event by this time um, that Miles' appearance was quite something, and it led to this uh, really uh, the resuscitation of his career and his first real climb to fame. So that's why it's important. Now we're going to hear the spoken introduction to this by Duke Ellington. And uh, he refers to Buck Rogers, you know, the comic strip character, Buck Rogers. He was always out in, out in space. Well, Duke Ellington was kind of making, making a, a, a reference to the fact that these were all modern musicians. 
and uh, modern jazz musicians. So that's what that's where the Buck Rogers reference comes, and you'll hear that. And then the other spokesperson for the group is Jerry Mulligan. So we hear his voice uh, introducing uh, each tune. So the first tune is a Monk composition uh, called Hackensack, and it's kind of a jam session tune. It's one of Monk's more simpler compositions, and everybody knew it. Um, the second tune just features Miles Davis as the only horn, and this is the one that scored with everyone. And it's a beautiful interpretation of Thelonious Monk's most famous ballad, Round Midnight. And Miles plays it not as he did it with his own band with the muted horn, but with an open uh, horn. And his performance on here stunned everybody. The final tune is the Charlie Parker composition, of course, one of his most famous blues tunes called Now's the Time. So we take you back to this historic event, July 17, 1955, the Newport Jazz Festival in Newport, Rhode Island. And Miles Davis on trumpet, Zoot Sims on tenor saxophone, Jerry Mulligan on baritone saxophone, Thelonious Monk on piano, Percy Heath on bass, Connie Kay on drums. And we turn the proceedings over to Duke Ellington to introduce everybody. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for Count Basie, Jimmy Rushing, and all of the other Kansas City kids. Uh, I have another listing here of a group that's coming up. It looks like uh, these gentlemen live in the realm that uh, Buck Rogers is trying to reach. Uh, we start with a couple of gentlemen you've heard before, Percy Heath, bass, and uh, Connie Kay, drums, of the modern jazz Quartet, and then we go on down to Miles Davis, trumpet, Miles Davis, Zoot Sims, tenor, and my very dear friend, uh, the cool one, Jerry Mulligan. And the High Priest of Bop, the inimitable Thelonious Monk. And uh, here's for Tonal Z. Thank you. Tune written by Thelonious, entitled Hackensack. Thank you. 
Thank you. Let's see. Uh, Thelonious Monk is going to play round about midnight.
we'd like to dedicate our next number to the composer of the number, Charlie Parker. His Now's the Time. Thank you. 
Those three tunes were really part of jazz history. And that was, of course, the stunning appearance uh, that wasn't even advertised in the program of Miles Davis. And uh, it, that performance, of course, changed Miles Davis's life because uh, he was rediscovered. And that was put together... The band was really put together, the all-star band here was put together by producer George Ween. And um, he knew that all these, George Ween is actually a very fine musician himself, a good piano player and knows music, of of course, unlike a lot of uh, um, (laughs) producers and entrepreneurs and so on. um, George is very, he's got hands-on knowledge um, of the music. So he knew that all of these guys um, could play together and knew one another and f- were familiar. And, of course, uh, um, it was a pretty good band considering it was, it was basically a jam session. And a, a last-minute addition was Miles Davis. Um, he had run into Ween and said, hey, man, you're having a jazz festival, and, you know, what's <laughs> you got to have me there. And, um, 
And we, yeah, yeah, well, okay, you know. And so he added him to the program, but um, it was too late to have Miles' name advertised. So he was kind of a surprise guest in this um, in this all-star group. It all took place July 17th, 1955 at the Newport Jazz Festival in Newport, Rhode Island. And the band included, of course, Miles Davis on trumpet, Zoot Sims on tenor saxophone, Jerry Mulligan on baritone saxophone, Percy Heath on bass, and Connie Kay on drums. And, of course, the elder statesman of this whole band was pianist Thelonious Monk. And um, we heard the spoken introduction by Duke Ellington. And then uh, after that, any voice you heard was the voice of Jerry Mulligan introducing uh, the tunes. And we had two Monk tunes to start the set with. Uh, the first one was uh, one of Monk's more better-known compositions and played at a lot of jam sessions, a tune based on Lady Be Good. It's called Hackensack. And then the second tune, of course, was Monk's Round Midnight. And that's when Miles Davis kind of took over and stunned the Newport audience with his beautiful interpretation of the tune and how um, it is a beautiful moment because Miles and Monk played together so beautifully on that on that tune. And, uh, of course, everyone realized by that time that Miles was back. And uh, that led to um, George Ovakian, who was in the audience, was the producer of at Columbia Records. And, of course, right after that, he ran after, cornered Miles and said, I want to sign you to a contract, Columbia Records. And that's when Miles was motivated to form a band and uh, restart his career, really. And it was all started at this Newport Jazz Festival. The final tune was uh, a Charlie Parker composition based on the blues, um, blues in the key of F, and now's the time by Charlie Parker. And, of course, uh, Parker had uh, died only a few months earlier, and everyone was still thinking about the passing of Charlie Parker. So that tune was a bit of a tribute to uh, the great bird to play his uh, one of his most famous blues compositions. So that was the set, and that was the historic event. And uh, it's documented, and, and you heard it here on The Jazz Show. I hope you enjoyed all of the three selections July 17th, 1955, a historic day in the life of, uh, well, just about everybody. And I really found that Thelonious Monk played beautifully on this session as well. And uh, he and Miles were really the the stars. We're going to continue. You know, people have asked me, uh, I'd just like to tell you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM. 101.9, of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and we're going to continue. Um, Stan Getz, of course, is one of the great tenor saxophonists. We all know that. And his voice is so distinctive, and, and, and there's so many, many recordings of Stan Getz. Uh, he was so consistent on on uh, most of his recordings. And... Uh, Someone asked me one time, well, what's, what do you think is the best Stan Getz recorded solo? And there are a whole bunch of things that came to mind. Uh, I thought of this, that one, and this one. I said, ah, there is one. This is so special. 
and so ridiculous, this solo and this piece, that I think this is it for Stan Getz. This is one of his greatest solos. Um, his playing is so unbelievable uh, on here. The ideas just flow out. Uh, it's a great tune. And interestingly enough, I remember um, chatting with Conti Condoli, who plays trumpet on this session. Uh, he had to follow Stan Getz after Stan's solo, and Conti said he was ready to walk out of the studio because he couldn't think of anything to play that would even uh, come close to equaling what he heard Stan do. He said he was so embarrassed to play. Uh, he does acquit himself very well because he's one of the great trumpet players, Connie Condoli. But he told me, he said he was so, um, he was just, he was stood there in awe beside Getz as, as these ideas, as Getz was playing his solo. And he thought, I have to solo after this? I can't, <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> anyway, we're glad he never did. He does acquit himself very well. But believe me, it's Stan Getz that shines on this. This was recorded in Los Angeles in 1955 with an all-star band. Stan Getz on tenor saxophone, Conti Condoli, as I mentioned, on trumpet, Lou Levy on piano, the Grey Ghost, we called him. Uh, on bass is Leroy Vinegar, and on drums is Shelly Mann. And the tune is an old uh, tune that uh, was written in the 30s, played by all kinds of jazz musicians like Louis Armstrong and Benny Goodman and so on and so forth. But this is Stan Getz's version. The tune is called Shine. And this is one of the most incredible saxophone solos I have ever heard by anybody. So check it out. Thank <laughs> you. 
That's it. Stan Getz with Connie Condoli on trumpet, Lou Levy on piano, Leroy Vinegar on bass, and the great Shelley Mann on drums, and one of Stan's finest tenor saxophone solos on record. And, of course, that was uh, an old tune written back in the 30s called Shine, interpreted by that uh, incredible quintet. We're going to give you some vocals now by the great Dinah Washington, I've got four tunes from this uh, single session that was done in uh, early 1954. And uh, some of the people in the band are, uh, we're going to hear Clark Terry on trumpet, Gus Chappell on trombone, Ricky Henderson on alto saxophone, a couple of great tenor saxophonists, Eddie Lockjaw Davis and Paul Quinnishe on tenor saxophones, Junior Mance on piano, um, Keeter Betts on bass, and Ed Thickpen on drums. If you hear a guitar, they don't know who it was. Nobody can remember. <laughs> so there you go. Um, as I said, uh, this was uh, stuff that was done in the mid-'50s. And um, we're going to hear uh, some tunes. And one of them is uh, called um, Short John. <laughs> and uh, the second one is called Old Man's Darling. I don't know who wrote those tunes, but uh, the tune number three, of course, is one of my favorite renditions of Cole Porter's Love for Sale, and Dinah just does it up so beautifully. And the final tune is um, a standard called Our Love is Here to Stay, written by George and Ira Gershwin. So here is the great Queen of the Blues, Miss D, Dinah Washington. The inimitable.
rubber band You ought to see my toys He gave me just for joy A mink coat to keep me warm A house with 20 rooms to keep me from the storm Now when I walk with Grandpa I don't mind walking slow is here to stay cause he made out his will to miss the And still unspoiled Got love that's only slightly soiled Love For sale
Crazy movies that we know might just be passing fancies and in time may go. But oh, my dear, our love is here. That, of course, was the great Miss D from some fairly early recordings done in 1954 and uh, with a group that uh, had all kinds of great jazz people in there. They, nobody really solo. We don't know who the guitar player was, but he was very prominent. And, um, yeah, so we heard um, <laughs> a couple of uh, rather raunchy blues to open. One of them was, uh, the first one was called Short John, and the second one was entitled Old Man's Darling. And then we moved to the two standard tunes, um, the great version of Love for Sale, one of my favorite uh, versions of that tune by Cole Porter. And the final tune was uh, we slowed things right down with uh, a ballad, um, the George and Ira Gershwin tune, Our Love is Here to Stay, showing the, uh, the range of uh, Miss Washington, one of the greatest of all singers. And, of course, uh, when she sung the blues, she could do it. Amazing. And some great people in the band. As I mentioned, Clark Terry was in the band, Eddie Lockjaw Davis, Paul Quinnishay, Junior Mance, and um, some other folks. All done in February and March of 19, or February uh, early 1954. Miss D, Dinah Washington. All right. Just like to tell you a little bit about um, a couple of uh, websites, of course, and I always mention them. The first one is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. And um, 
They never sleep. The jazz festival is over, of course, and um, they've had all the sort of after parties, and everybody's relaxing after, uh, you know, the big buildup. But uh, there'll be all kinds of stuff coming up in the fall, and one of the things that uh, if you do follow jazz music, uh, you should get onto their website, which is coastaljazz.ca. And they have some big plans for the fall as well. And, of course, uh, they're working already, thinking about next year's jazz festival. So there you go. That's coastaljazz.ca. That's a very comprehensive website. And I'd like to mention uh, the second website, of course, is one I mention every week, and that's vancouverjazz.com. And Vancouver Jazz, of course, is all one word. And that's administered by my good friend and old friend as well, Brian Nation. And Mr. Nation has just come through a big health crisis, but he's doing fine. He's back at home. Um, He's looking great. And um, Brian's going to be fine. And uh, he's all ready to take on the world once again. So... He administers uh, this great website, which is VancouverJazz.com. And, uh, of course, he keeps it up to date, uh, checks it out, makes sure that uh, everything is in its place. We do, you can uh, see our jazz features on there because there's a little write-up that I do every week. Um, And if you check out Jazz on the Air, you'll see it. And uh, other links on, on, on there, of course, there's biographies of musicians. There's all the gigs that are happening in different spots all over town. So that's a, an extremely good website, VancouverJazz.com. And um, it's great that uh, Brian Nation is, uh, is back and uh, after a pretty severe health crisis. But he's, uh, he's going to be okay, and uh, that's really good news. And finally, of course, uh, my friend Ken Speller, who... Um, teaches music, um, he'll come to your house and, 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 uh, and teach you how to play the uh, saxophone, the clarinet, the flute, um, wind instruments, reeds, woodwinds. And um, he uh, has uh, a business called Music at Home. And, uh, he, and also, the thing that I like about Ken Speller is that he's an excellent repairman. He repairs these instruments that are always in need of uh, upkeep, uh, tweaking, sometimes complete overhauls, um, springs, pads, all all the things that that keep um, a saxophone, clarinet, flute in good working order. Because uh, if an instrument's not, especially a wind instrument, if it's not in good working order, you're going to sound terrible. No matter how good you are, uh, your instrument has got to be in top shape. And Ken Speller's the guy to do it. And the thing is, he does it all from his home. He's got a complete repair shop in his home. So he keeps his costs down to a very, very reasonable minimum. And um, that's, that's good. He is in the uh, 13th and Lonsdale area of North Vancouver. And there, he has a phone, of course, which is 778-800-1933. That's an easy one to remember, 778-800-1933. You can also reach him via email, which is kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. kspeller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. All right. Here is a piece of music. 
I remember spending a, a whole day with Cannonball Adderley, um, and uh, we had a lot of things to discuss. But one of the things that he was, uh, we talked about everything in the books, and he solved a musical problem for me. I'm not going to get into the whole story, but part of the day was listening to this album. And he, Cannonball, had a, an advanced copy of this album. It had not yet been issued. And he, we listened to it, and he said, you know, man, this music on this album is going to be the future of jazz. Now, he wasn't quite right, but it really was a, kind of a step forward, this album, um, because it did bring in electronic instruments, like the electric piano and, and the guitar, of course, which, uh, which has always been used in jazz. But the guitar in a slightly different way. But the thing is, this particular record did point at the future of jazz and, uh, and, its, and its development. And he was pretty excited about this. Uh, album and we listen to it. We listen to the whole thing. But one of the key tunes is the tune I'm going to play for you right now, because this was the one that that, that blew me away, and uh, and and him too. Uh, we both sat and listened to this and and just shook our heads about how incredible this performance is. And it's the tune is Eddie Harris's famous tune, Freedom Jazz Dance. But this is an, a unique interpretation. The bass player on here is Miroslav Vitush, and he is—he um, had just been in New York for a few years. He is from Czechoslovakia, or the formerly Czechoslovakia, the Czech Republic. And, uh, of course, he is now uh, one of the great bass players. He's been to Vancouver several times, and um, he is, this was his record date, and uh, it was uh, produced— um, by Herbie Mann, and it was uh, it came out on a, a label, a subsidiary of uh, Atlantic Records called Embryo Records, and Herbie Mann was sort of the 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 big gun behind here. But um, the people involved here, Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone is unbelievable on this, John McLaughlin on guitar, Herbie Hancock on piano, and Jack DeJanette on drums, and this is an insane version of Freedom Jazz Dance. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you. 
That was Eddie Lockjaw Davis and Jerome Richardson. Eddie Lockjaw Davis, of course, one of the most distinctive voices of the tenor saxophone. And on baritone saxophone, the great Jerome Richardson, who played all kinds of, all the saxophones and flutes and all that kind of stuff. Great musician. And on organ, the one and only Shirley Scott from Philadelphia. George DeVivier on bass and Arthur Edgehill on drums. And that was a tune written by um, Lockjaw Davis and Shirley Scott called simply High Fry. And that's from an album by Lockjaw and Shirley entitled Smokin' Prestige Album. And before that, we heard this most incredible version of Freedom Jazz Dance played by Miroslav Vitus on bass, who led the band, uh, John McLaughlin on guitar, Herbie Hancock on piano, Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone, and Jack DeJanette on drums. And that was from Miroslav's um, great album, which came out on em- originally came out on Embryo Records in 1970, called Infinite Search. And that was one of the highlights from that album, their version of Freedom Jazz Dance. And as I mentioned in the preamble, uh, that was uh, Cannonball Adderley when we spent a day together, and we listened to that whole album. He had a preview copy of it. It hadn't been heard yet by the world. And uh, he said, you know, man, that's the future of jazz is right on that record. And uh, in many ways, he was right. All right. We'd like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 
or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and we have uh, a couple of uh, important uh, items for you, and we'll be right back. I got a stack of records here, a stack of records there. I got records scattered all over everywhere, but I'm looking Discorder Magazine has been supporting independent music for over 30 years, and it keeps on living by joining efforts with local music supporters such as Vinyl Records. You can find a selection of Vinyl Records' featured albums on the back cover of Discorder and can support your favorite local bands and artists by purchasing their records. For more information on their vast selection of new, used, and rare music, go to vinylrecords.ca. Discorder Magazine has been supporting local music for over 30 years. Thanks to the long-term support of the Rickshaw Theater, Discorder lives. Your favorite bands are playing at the Rickshaw Theater. Check out their calendar just behind the cover of Discorder Magazine or at rickshawtheater.com. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. We're back, and uh, we'd like to play... This is a very interesting recording by the great Bud Powell. And, of course, Bud was one of the pioneers of modern jazz. And uh, really, you have to think of him as the along the same lines as Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker and Max Roach and all those people. Bud Powell on piano was maybe one of the greatest of all. And um, he had a, a very uneven kind of a tragic life. And uh, yet... There were times even when he was not at his best, but he, but he could be so brilliant at times. And uh, he's in really good form on this. Bud had moved to Europe in the late 50s and, of course, was performing all over the place in, in Europe. And, and very often he would perform with uh, resident musicians. This uh, concert took place in um, Lausanne in uh, Switzerland. And... Um, we hear Bud with a couple of Swiss musicians, um, Bob Jacquillard on bass and Mike Stevenau on drums, and uh, of course the great Bud Powell on piano. And we're going to hear um, three tunes from this uh, concert. We open with um, the Charlie Parker Dizzy Gillespie composition called Anthropology, and then another Charlie Parker tune called Billy's Bounce. And then a tune, a uh, standard tune called Lover Come Back to Me. Here then is uh, in great form, recorded uh, in January of 1962, the great Bud Powell on piano. Thank you. 
Three Tunes by the great Bud Powell on piano, recorded with uh, actually um, some fine Swiss musicians, uh, Bob Jacquelard on bass and Mike Stevenot on drums. And they kept up with Bud on uh, all of those tunes. And, of course, uh, Bud Powell, one of the pioneers of modern jazz on piano, recorded in Lausanne in Switzerland, uh, January 31st, 1962. And um, we heard, first of all, Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie's uh, anthem, Anthropology, followed by a great Charlie Parker blues that was actually written for his booking agent, (laughs) Billy Shaw, and it was called Billy's Bounce. And the third tune is actually based on a standard, Lover Come Back to Me, but the uh, Bud played the uh, alternate version of that tune, which was called Bean and the Boys. And uh, that uh, surfaced um, on a Coleman Hawkins record, and Bean was one of uh, Hawkins' nicknames. Bean and the Boys, the, the final tune. The great Bud Powell in fine form on piano, of course. We're going to attempt, (laughs) and hopefully this is going to work because I've re-recorded the tunes. Last week, I attempted to play two selections, and I wasn't able to get through them because the CD stuck, and uh, we weren't able to complete either tunes. It was like um, coitus interruptus. (laughs) So... Uh, um, and, and of course there was no way of writing the thing. The, the CD just stuck and, and you know how it goes, right? It's like a stuck record, you know, da 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 Anyway, uh, regardless, uh, we hope this is going to work and I think it will. Uh, if it doesn't, well, you know, what can we do? CDs are very unpredictable sometimes, but, uh, I did re-record, uh, these two selections and tested them out at home to make sure that they do play. So hopefully they will play on our high-end players here. The first is by a gentleman we heard a little earlier in the program, Thelonious Monk. But this is Monk with his own band. And this was recorded in 1963 at the Village Gate. And it's not a... um, particularly high-quality recording sound-wise. Monk was contracted to Columbia Records, and this was sort of a a bootleg um, of a performance that he did at the Village Gate and um, put out on on an album. But uh, this shows Monk in in great form with with his uh, quartet, and uh, everybody plays wonderfully on here. Charlie Rouse on tenor saxophone, Thelonious Monk, of course, on piano in wonderful spirited form, and on bass, Butch Warren, and on drums, the fabulous Frankie Dunlop, who was my favorite. After Art Blakey, Frankie Dunlop was my favorite uh, drummer that worked with Monk, and uh, he had worked with a lot of great drummers, but I love the way Frankie Dunlop um, really was into Monk's music and uh, did such a beautiful job. So we're going to hear a a short piano solo first of uh, a great standard, Body and Soul, written by Johnny Green. Then uh, the quartet is going to kick into Monk's wonderful composition called Rhythmining. And then we're going to follow that with something else, and I'll tell you what the something else is after. 
But first, Thelonious Monk. Thank you. 
We hope you enjoyed those uh, two pieces of music. Very, uh, very different, of course. We um, attempted to play them both last week, and uh, uh, the CD that I had unfortunately stuck on both of them, so we weren't able to get through either of those pieces. But we did tonight, and we hope you uh, enjoyed the music uh, that you heard for the last, um, well, 20 or so minutes. The first was um, Thelonious Monk, recorded uh, at the Village Gate. And as I mentioned before, it wasn't a professional recording, um, but the performance was, uh, was really something else with his, uh, um, well, we heard a short solo and then a, a quartet performance uh, with his band. But uh, so, and that was recorded in 1963 at that New York club, the Village Gate. So we heard Thelonious Monk with uh, Charlie Rouse on tenor saxophone, Monk, of course, on piano, um, Butch Warren on bass, and the great Frankie Dunlop on drums. And we opened the Monk set with a solo uh, by Thelonious on the old tune Body and Soul, and then we moved to the quartet for their performance of Rhythmining, um, a composition by Thelonious, of course, featured uh, great solos by everybody and especially some marvelous drumming by Frankie Dunlop. Then the next tune we heard, a completely different uh, piece of music, was a fully written out uh, piece of music by Chick Corea called The Trio for Flute, Bassoon, and Piano. And only three people there, Hubert Laws on flute, 
Hosea Taylor on bassoon, and of course, Chick Corea on piano. And that's the piece we heard, trio for flute, bassoon, and piano. Concluding another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR, we hope you uh, enjoyed the music, and we hope that you were able to uh, stay with us for a fairly uh, lengthy time. And we'll be back next week, of course, right at 9 next Monday. As a matter of fact, next Monday's a holiday. It's B.C. Day. That's right. Uh, but we'll be here, and the jazz show will be on the air. So I'd like to thank you very much for uh, tuning in this evening on behalf of myself, Gavin Walker, and, of course, radio station CITR, FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And in seven days' time, we'll see you again. So take care. Enjoy the weather. It's really going to be nice again. Bye-bye. Thank you.